0: Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Well, good morning, Res Church. Hey, I just want to welcome everyone who is watching at home right now. We love you guys. We miss you all. We are praying for you, and we believe that soon we are going to get to see you again. Hey, today is Vision Sunday here at Res Church, and you know, one of the things I love about a Vision Sunday... It's an opportunity to look back at the past years at what God has done, but also to look forward to where God is bringing us in the future. And so I I love it because today Res Church is 37 years old. That's 37 years being led by Bishop Joe and, and Joyce Matera of their sacrifice and their their um, love for the city, their love for this neighborhood and the Brooklyn community. 30 years of advancing and building the kingdom. And so if you been a part of this church for any period, we just want to say, man, happy anniversary to you. Uh, I'm excited uh, about it, that it's been around for 37 years, but man, I'm really excited about where God is taking this church in the future. Another thing is if you're watching, you know, we just want to say thank you to everyone who contributes here and who gives sacrificially here at Res Church. If you're watching online right now, you're watching because somebody's sacrifice. Who is paid for you to be able to get this church community in your home, especially in the middle of a pandemic of, you know, as we know, COVID-19. And if you've been on site, you've also noticed that there's been a few changes around the building and the facility here, like a new renovation in the sanctuary and on the stage, getting the broadcast equipment, some changes downstairs, making sure that the building was completely COVID safe, and we had all the protocols and place, and then the new kitchen, which looks super dope. Um, God has just been incredibly faithful. And honestly, guys, it is because of your generosity. And so today, I want to talk about where we're headed in 2021. A new year, new goals. It's a big opportunity for us to be able to stop and remind ourselves of the mission that Jesus gave his church. In Matthew chapter 28 uh, verses uh, 18, starting at verse 18, Jesus, he's talking to his disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me. Authority in heaven and authority on earth. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, therefore, go, meaning go wherever it is that you are supposed to be doing normal life in your sphere of influence. And everywhere you go, I want you to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and surely I will be with you till the end of the age. And so that was Jesus's mission or his commission to the church of Jesus Christ, to his church. And for 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ has been doing exactly that, being a church that makes disciples who makes disciples who makes disciples. And so Res Church, if you want to know where we're going In 2021, it is simply this. We are going to be a church that is laser focused on making disciples who make disciples. That's it. Like to literally be focused on those who are far from God, to lead them into a growing relationship with Christ so that they can grow and they can go take their friends who are far from God and lead them into a growing relationship with Christ. A church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. And so I wanna go over five quick ways real quick about how we're gonna do that in 2021. And then I wanna talk about the why for us all. Uh, But the first way that we make disciples is simply by worship worshiping Jesus by gathering. This is what we're doing. Whether you're in home, watching online, whether you are here in person, us worshiping Jesus is how uh, a part of a discipleship process. Um, and, And so whenever we sing together, whenever we gather together, whenever we lift up the name of Jesus, something powerful happens and takes place. Whenever we dive into the Word of God, something powerful happens and takes place. And I don't know if you've been in person or not, but if you're here in person, you know just as well as I do that every Sunday this place is at capacity and the overflow room is filled. And so here's what we're doing at at Ray's Church to kind of change things up. We want to create more space and so very soon, we're going to be launching a second service to be able to have more room to see people who are far from God come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The other thing, parents, get excited now, is we're going to be relaunching Rez Kids. And all the ladies in the back are like, hallelujah. No, seriously. Uh, we're going to be relaunching Res Kids very soon. We feel like it now is the time to relaunch the kids' ministry here at Res Church, and we're going to have more information about that taking place. Um, after that, step number two is really just next steps. That's it. If we have someone who's never been to church or they're new to the church, we want to be able to create clear pathways for them to get plugged in and discipled here in this community. And so starting in March, we're going to be launching something called Next Steps. It's a very informal, hour-long gathering where food's going to be served. You get to learn about Res, We get to learn about you. Ask each other questions and just hang out. And so if you're new to Res, maybe you've been watching for a while, um, be on the lookout for that information. We would love For you to get connected and us to learn more and more about you. And steps three, four, and five are really just something that happens simultaneously. Uh, Step three is life groups or community groups. You know, I really believe discipleship happens best in the context of groups more so than it does in the context of rows. And what I mean by that is in groups, you get to do life with one another. In groups, it's iron sharpening iron. In groups, you have to fight to be able to resolve conflict, and you dig into the Scripture. You hold each other accountable. Gospel community is crucial for anyone who's following Jesus. If anything, it's what we have been called and saved to. The fourth thing is simply this, development whether that is men's development or women's development. We call those men's ministry, women's ministry. Uh, Whether it's premarital counseling or maybe it's marital counseling, maybe it's financial stewardship or maybe, uh, maybe it is moving towards leadership. We wanna help develop you as a disciple in Jesus Christ through different classes and tracks and things that will be taking place here in 2021. And then the fifth thing is serving. You know, I believe that Jesus called his church to be a serving church, a church that serves the needs of its local assembly, but a church that also serves the needs of the community that God has placed itself in. And I think about this neighborhood, Sunset Park and Bay Ridge and Prospect Park and all of that, God has placed this church in such a very unique uh, uh, geographical region. And because of Children of the City, it's already serving so many people. And we get to continue to do that and continue to invest into lives, continue to see people transformed by the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so these five things, very simple, but man, when they are working and when they are functioning at its fullest, you see something powerful take place in the church. You see life transformation. You see heart transformation. You see marriages being restored, lives being changed. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to. And church, that's what I'm inviting you to be a part of today. Today, as we kick this off. You know, with 2021, I don't want to get up here and say that this is a thus saith the Lord. I'm not a prophet. I can't predict the future. Uh, But I look at this from a very practical standpoint, and I look at quarter one as a season of rebuilding. I look at quarter two as a season of establishment and reopening from Easter uh, through the, the end of June. And then I look at quarter three and going into the fall season as a season of growth. And I really believe that rebuilding, reopening, and growth and multiplication is what God is calling this church to. Now, you might be sitting at home, you might be saying, Michael, that sounds great. You're just kind of giving me a long lecture. Well, now, that was just my introduction, so now I get into the sermon. So buckle up, because you're going to be here for another hour. I'm joking. But here's why. Here's the big thing about today. Here's the reason why we gather, whether it's in homes or whether it's in person. Here's why we exist as a people. Here is why we give when we give. Here is why we serve. Here is why we focus on discipleship. It's very, very simple, but it's so profound. It is simply this. It is for the one. That's what all of this is about right here. That's what everything that you're about in your home. That's why we live our lives on mission. That's why we focus on these things. It's for the one. For the one. And that for the one has got so many layered and so many meanings. And I just want to go over a few of them with you. The first one is we're doing this for the one, for the glory of God. I don't know if you realize this, but when we gather, whether it's in our homes or here in person, when we lift our hands and we worship, when we sing, when we give, when we pray, it is simply for an audience of one. We gather, we do this, and we are here to simply give God glory that is due to his name. And man, I believe it is time for the church to reestablish that as its primary focus, that we are here to live our lives and to give glory to our Heavenly Father and to focus on him and nothing else. You know, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, everything your hands find to do, do it with all your might unto the Lord. And so that's why we want to do things with excellence. That's why we want to put our best foot forward because we want to do it to bring honor and glory to the one, to our heavenly Father. But Jesus also calls his church to live on mission. He calls us to be focused for the one, for the one, he actually says this, this is reason number two, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 15, if you've got your scripture, he says this, starting in verse one, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, catch this, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So I want you to think about this setting. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and you've got the Pharisees that they're over here, and they're sitting there, and they're just like, do you see this dude over here? Like, he's hanging with sinners and tax collectors. Now look, if you're back in, you know, you owe late taxes, you probably don't like tax collectors either, but Jesus loves them. He hung out with them. But literally, they're, the religious folks are over there saying, can you believe this? Church, I think that we need to be reminded that Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners. And if Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners and we are to be like Christ, little Christ, here on this earth, followers of Yeshua, followers of Jesus, maybe God is inviting you and me to go hang out with tax collectors and sinners. Maybe God is inviting us to actually get our hands dirty and our feet dirty to go put ourselves in spaces that maybe we wouldn't want to normally be in to be able to reach those who are far from God for the one. For the one. He continues in verse 3. So Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And then when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and he comes home. He calls together all of his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, "'Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost.'" Now, Jesus is telling them a story or a parable that is something that we would all understand and recognize. It's simply like, hey, uh, or let me rephrase that. They would all understand and recognize. We would not understand this. Even though I'm from Albany, I don't understand sheep. I don't understand farming. I don't understand cattle or goat. I don't know the difference between a sheep and a goat. Don't ask me. I know it's somewhere in the Bible, though, right? Um, but like the shepherd, he's given this analogy, an illustration, and he's saying, hey, the shepherd has 100 sheep. He loses one. But he leaves the 99 to go after that one, to find that one that got lost. Have you ever thought about this? Did the sheep even realize that he was lost? Like, I mean, I mean that for real. Have you ever actually thought about it? I, I'm not really that smart and educated whenever it comes to farming and shepherding and stuff like that, as, as far as like a profession. I'm not a shepherd. But I'm pretty sure sheep are dumb. Like I, I mean, just ba ba ba, and starts chasing something way over there. Before he or she knows it, they've left the flock and they're lost, and they didn't even realize that they were lost. But the shepherd realizes that they are lost. And the shepherd says, I need to leave my 99 and I need to go get that one who is lost, who doesn't even realize that he or she is lost. And I need to grab them, I need to scoop them up, put them on my shoulders, and I need to carry them back home. And when he gets home, he says, hey, get everyone together. I got my sheep back, we're going to party we're going to rejoice. We're going we're gonna to celebrate. And I'm not talking about a Tupperware party either. But we're going to celebrate and we're going to rejoice because I lost what was mine and I just found it. It says in verse seven, Jesus relates this to the kingdom of God. He says, just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This is why, church, we have to be focused on those who have never met a risen king, who have never accepted Jesus, who have never encountered the presence of his holiness, of the savior of the world. And when that light bulb moment happens and they go from death to life, we need to rejoice as a church. We need to get excited as a church. I genuinely think Sunday needs to be the biggest party celebration that we could ever experience because there are dead people who are coming to life, lost people who are being found, and that is what Jesus has called and commissioned his church to focus on. For the one. I think about my dad, whenever my dad was in his deathbed literally for months, and, and, and he's sitting there, In that moment that we realize that he embraced the saving grace of Jesus Christ, yes, we were experiencing loss at that moment, yes, it was a hard thing for us to go through, but all of heaven was up there cheering my dad on while he laid in his bed saying, Eric, you just gave your life to Christ, you're coming home, baby, you're coming home. And that is what God wants us to be like. But he doesn't stop there. He continues on in verses 8 through, through 10. He says, for a woman, or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And then when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, rejoice, With me, for I have found the coin that I lost, just so I tell you there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner sinner who repents. I don't know if you've ever lost a coin uh, but you've been in those moments and you're like, I, I need some change. I got to go buy some milk from the bodega. I've got to do this. And you just start shredding the couch and like, I just need 50 cents or a dollar. And you start, that's the picture I want you to think of right here. Here you have a woman and she's lost her silver coin and she is literally ripping her house apart. And she finds that silver coin. And then she says, you know what? I just found my coin and I'm about to spend all my money and we're going to celebrate because I found this coin. Again, celebration, partying, rejoicing for what God has done in the house. I really believe this is what honors God. If we want to live a life that is for the one, for the glory of God, then we have to live a life that is for the one, for those who are far from God, for the lost sheep, for the lost coin. And when we as a church live on mission, focusing on the one, we start to give glory and honor and praise to him. You know, over the course of the past four or five years, I've had an opportunity to be able to help out some incredible churches uh, throughout the Capital Region and in the U.S. from a coaching standpoint and kind of mentorship standpoint. It's a very unique thing that, for whatever reason, God has given me this passion and this grace on. But about two, two and a half years ago, I get a call by the, from this guy by the name of Ed. And, and Ed was the leader of Germain Memorial Presbyterian Church. And the first time I met with Ed, we, we sat down, and, and he, like, I kid you not, I walk into this beautiful cathedral, and I'm talking like 20-something thousand square feet. It was absolutely gorgeous, and I'm just like, my gosh, the ceilings and the chandeliers, and, and it was gorgeous. And we sit down, and we start talking. he says, Michael, we've lost life here. We, we've lost our focus. And I start talking him through, and I've got a few elders with me. And as we're talking, we, we start getting into serious discussion, and he's got a bunch of programs and a bunch of stuff that they're doing. And, and I go, Ed, if you don't mind me asking, when was the last time that you saw someone accept Christ and be baptized? And he goes, Michael, it's probably been 30 years. And I said, Ed, well, how many people do you have attending on a Sunday? He's like, you know, if we're lucky, we'll get 10 or 12, and I'm like, Ed, you've got so many programs, so many programs, and how are you doing this, all these programs with, with no people? How are you doing all of this going on? And this one particular lady, Lorraine, she just kept saying, I just want to go back to how it used to be, back to how it used to be, back to how it used to be. And I go, well, Lorraine, if you don't mind me asking, how did it used to be? And she goes, well, Michael, Pastor Mike, back in the 1940s, we used to do church like this, and all the kids would gather, and all the kids would come, and I sat there across the table, very, very politely, and after multiple conversations, trying to help this church, and I said, "Look, Ed, Lorraine, um, I got to be honest with you. This church needs an entire like facelift if it's going to survive." And that church refused to change. That church refused. This is the oldest church in New York State, and they would argue the oldest church or one of the oldest churches in the United States of America. Established in 1643 under King Charles I with the commission from a missionary who went to Waterville, New York, which used to be called Fort Orange, and established a mission. That church, about a year ago, closed their doors because they lost focused on what was important they lost focus on the mission that god has given the church for the one for the glory of our heavenly father for the one who is far from god and what i'm so excited about now as we start to wrap this thing up is for the oneness of the church 2021 is a year of you've got three campuses coming together. You've got City Church in Albany. New York, you've got Res Church in Brooklyn, you've got Res Church in Staten Island, and I want you to just picture, just imagine what the church would look like if you've got three campuses across New York State who were laser focused on the mission of the gospel, on making disciples, and on giving glory and honor to the one, and seeing the one who is far from God come into that growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Imagine what could happen. I think it's time that we need to start thinking about the what-ifs again in the church. I think it's time that we need to remember why we exist. I think it's time that we need to remember that the gospel is enough, that the gospel is the one that saves, that it isn't us, that we get to be tools and vessels, but God has given us creative methods to be able to reach people for the gospel so that we can see those who are far from God come back to Him. You know, Jesus doesn't stop there, though. He, he continues on, and he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them, between his two sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took his journey into a far country. And there, were, and there he squandered his property in reckless living, And he had spent everything in a severe famine, rose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He sent him into the field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to to feed with the pods that the pigs ate, and he, and I'm sorry, and no one gave him anything. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying right here, because this in the Jewish culture is like Jewish suicide. Because if a son went to his father and said, give me my inheritance, he's essentially saying to his father, you were as good as to me as dead. And so his father gave him the inheritance, and then the son went out and he went to Las Vegas, Jerusalem style. And he went out and he spent it probably on a bunch of um, things that I'm not going to mention because I don't know if there's kids that are going to be listening to this. He went and probably did a bunch of things that I'm not going to mention. He went and and, and literally took all of this wealth that, that his father gave to him and wasted it on things to satisfy his flesh. And then he found himself. He's like, I need work. I need to make sure that I can take care of this. And so he went and he found himself and he got hired. And while he was hiring, he was hired to feed pigs. And for a Jewish person to even touch a pig, it was considered sinful and unclean because pigs were seen as unclean. So not only did he say to his Jewish dad, death to you, but then he's put in a situation where to the Jewish people, death was upon him. And all of this is going on. And and catch what happens next. Verses 17, he says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here when I am hungry. I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against God. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants realized his sin he realized that he had messed up he realized that he made some wrong decisions and when that happened what I think is interesting is he looked at himself and he said I'm not worthy I'm not good enough there's no way I can go back to my family and my family is going to accept me there's no way I can go back into the kingdom of God and my heavenly father is going to accept me I'm too far gone right now but catch what happens next and he arose and he came to his father but while he was still a long way off, catch that his father saw him, felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him and he said to his and the son said to him, father I have sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, verse 22 but the father said to his servants bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate for this is my son. This isn't my servant. This isn't my um, kid that estranged from me and went off and did his own thing. This isn't a sinner. This is my son and is found and they began to to celebrate. And, And I love that right there. I love that right there because this is the story of a man, of a son who had everything and who left his father and went and lived his life with reckless living and all he had to do was arise and to come home and when he started coming home the father ran to him and embraced him gave him a kiss gave him the finest things and established him back where he left in a place of sonship and maybe for you it's a place of daughtership whoever you may be out there And man, I'm telling you that there are people, there are people that are listening to the sound of my voice right now. And you know that you're that son that's walked away from your heavenly father. You know that you're that daughter who's walked away and said, I, I, I just I feel like I'm not good enough. And you might be sitting there in your living room right now thinking that you are not good enough, but I'm here to tell you that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, went to that cross. He died. He bled. He was buried. He rose again so that you could be raised to new life with Christ. And all you got to do is come home. Just come home if there's anything that we can get a glimpse of in 2021, is maybe this is a year for us to come home. Maybe this is a year for us to come back. Maybe this is a year for us, church, to live for the one, for that lost sheep, for that lost son, because we were once that person. And maybe you're that person this morning. And so if you're watching this on the live stream right now, I want to give you an opportunity to be able to say yes to Jesus and to come back home. It's a very simple prayer. I'm just simply going to say, hey, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm coming home. Say, Jesus, I give you my life and I'm coming home. And if that is you this morning, man, I want you to uh, click the link that is in the chat. We want to connect with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to rejoice because we believe that God is literally bringing you from death to life. And Reg Church, I want to talk to you for just a moment. I want to be a very, very, I'm going to be a little pastoral right here. The mission of the gospel is more critical now than ever before. For the one is not some cool slogan. It is the gospel. It is the mission. It is what we are called to as the church and the body of Jesus Christ. And so, Res Church, I need you to do four things for me right now. I need you to do four things. Number one, I need you to be bold. I need you to be bold in your invites. I need you wherever you go, your sphere of influence, you have an opportunity to make disciples. I need you to be bold in inviting people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, inviting people to an opportunity to be able to come to church or maybe come to your house and to watch with you. Number two is I need you to be bold in your prayers. I know many of you guys, you like to pray, but I believe we can pray a little bit harder because when we pray, things start to shift in the atmosphere and lives start to get realigned with God. And so maybe we need to start praying for families. Maybe we need to start praying for the prodigals. Maybe we need to start praying for those who are strung out, who are a bunch of tax collectors and sinners, for God to meet them where they are so that they can be raised to new life with Christ. The third thing I need you to do is I need you to step up and serve. If we are going to be a church that reaches people who are far from God and see them come into that growing relationship, we've got to create space for the harvest. We've got to get ready for what God is going to do. And so maybe you've been sitting here during the pandemic and you've been like, I don't know if I'm going to serve or not. Man, I'm telling you, now is the time to step into what God is doing. Now is the time. And and so listen, send us an email. Send me an email directly, michael at reschurchny.com. I will reply and I will help you get connected because where we're going this year, I'm telling you, it's gonna be far beyond what we ever dreamed would be possible. And the fourth thing, and I close with this, is we need to be bold in our giving. Now more than ever, we have got to put our money where our mouth is. And so if you're watching this, we have got an audacious vision plan for 2021. And you can go to reschurchny.com, click on the link for the One Vision Fund, and you can read all about that. But man, I need us to be a church that says, I believe in the mission of the gospel, I believe in advancing the kingdom, and I'm willing to invest eternally with my monetary sacrifice. And when we do that, we are going to see God take what little bit we bring and Him advance the kingdom, Him grow the kingdom. And man, I want it to be that whenever I get to heaven, I look at the hundreds or thousands of lives that my Weasley tithe or offering did. And so let's do this this year. Let's make this a year for the one. If you're home, I want to ask you to bow your heads with me as we pray. We're going to celebrate. We're going to rejoice. It's a year of new beginnings. COVID is almost over. And I'm excited for what God is about to do. Three churches, united as one, across New York State. Get ready, Satan. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your love, for your steadfastness, for your grace. We give you all glory and honor. Father, help us to be a church that lives on mission, ultimately, God, for the one, for the glory for you for the one who is far from God and for the oneness of your church. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.